This is the Cyber Union Podcast, episode 92. Alt-right. What does labor look like in the age of Trump? This is Steven coming in from Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, I know this is a new thing for me to do the intro because uh, with me is not Walton. With me, who is this? Who's on the line here? Hello, this is Matt. I am decidedly not Walton. Ah, yes, Matt, and where are you, where are you coming in from? <laughs> I'm from the great state of Illinois, Chicago. Ah, uh, Nice. <laughs> the murder Chicago. capital of the world. <laughs> yeah, yes. You have a great mayor there, I hear. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but at least the site of some pretty amazing stuff with your Chicago teacher strike for a couple of years back, and it seems like you, you guys are still building off of that pretty well. Yeah. Haymarket Square, the birthplace of uh, modern organized labor. What happened on Haymarket Square for our, I, I would actually have to say, American listeners? Because I think uh, most of our yeah. foreign <laughs> listeners would know it. <laughs> Yeah, as this is more for yeah for the American listeners on in on May Day. What's May Day? Uh, <laughs> that's when you're on a boat and your ship is sinking, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so in uh, well in Chicago, not to get too into the weeds during the intro, but uh, in Chicago, uh, I don't remember the year exactly, but it's the 1880 something. <laughs> yeah. So anarchists anarchists were demonstrating uh and there was labor and someone threw a bomb into a crowd and killed some police and then the nation state <laughs> came in and put put a few anarchists on trial and murdered them. Well, being of the great state and city of Chicago, is there a memorial for the uh, workers in Haymarket Square? They <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, there's there's a memorial for the workers at their at their gravesite. There's ah. a memorial for the police at Haymarket Square. Wow, that's pretty disturbing. Well, I I'll thank you for that brief little intro, but also uh, thank you for for filling in. Uh, so for Absolutely. Our wonderful listeners, uh, Matt may fill in on occasion when Walton cannot be here, and uh, Walton is effectively out of the country. Um, but I think that's kind of a default because we're always in different countries um but <laughs> <laughs> this uh this show i think is going to be a little bit more u.s centric just because of some of the topics is, that we're going to hit this is steven's attempt to make uh cyber unions america first america first cyber unions jesus <laughs> we're making cyber unions great again uh <laughs> wait were we ever great i don't think so but <laughs> we'll see how it goes uh we're using some kind of new uh technology on this front because uh a a actual listener um had contacted me over the last month um and we're using this site called zocos.com uh so i'll put a link for the show notes if you can't type that in um but uh this is a student in indiana who actually started developing this for i think his classes if i remember correctly from when i spoke to him uh and it's he's working with the afl cio in indiana indiana uh for those don't that don't know <laughs> Uh, recently became a right-to-work state um, in the last couple of years, uh, which is relatively... For the, for the second time. Second time, yeah. Uh, and so the right-to-work being, um, for our wonderful listeners that may not know, is that if you do have a union, you're not required to pay dues, but you get all the benefits. Uh, yes. So, yeah, it 
it's not such the, a great thing. <laughs> so the union's required to represent you fairly yeah. under under sanction. Yeah. Um, but you are not required to participate or contribute to the union at all. Yeah. So um, before, so we'll get into the labor section, uh, but we're utilizing this right now, testing it out. Uh, it's built on WebRTC, which is kind of cool. Um, this might end yeah. up being our tech section too, but we'll see if <laughs> we can keep that separated. Uh, very slick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the other uh, update type section here, uh, I will give this in a much more detailed explanation later on, but my time with the Free Software Foundation has ended. Uh, as of last week, um, but we'll keep that discussion for a later date um, in more detail. What's going on there? But is a decision on my own to put it briefly, um, and gives me the chance to get back into the stuff that I've been missing. Uh, greatly being my worker co-op, local dot co-op, uh, and getting back into social movement organizing that I've been missing dr drastically, to be honest. Uh, and now seems like a good time uh, to get back in, into it. So, yeah. So. Uh, I don't know if you have any updates. This is, uh, I know you're sitting in Walton's seat. Um, you know, welcome to the studio. Uh, there's some coffee over there. Um, <laughs> the water fountain is on the other side. Um, there may be a cat coming through on occasion, but we'll see how that happens. Um, they seem to get into this place. Uh, but uh, welcome, welcome to the studio. Thank you. Uh, well, maybe I should, uh, as a matter of introduction, give a little background of uh, where I come from and why i'm at all that sounds like a great idea interesting to anybody yeah no so, that's a great idea go right ahead ben um so i am uh so i'm currently a data analyst with uh cook county uh elections uh cook county is the county uh that inhabits chicago and its suburbs so i work on uh data work on the uh, all the elections in suburban cook county Mm -hmm. So outside of Chicago, um, but, and, uh, as part of that, I am a member of SEIU local 73, uh, union of public workers in Illinois. Ooh. And, um, but so prior to coming to the County and working on elections, I was, uh, working in data at unite here, which is a, uh, service and hospitality union in Chicago. And then later on SEIU local one, which was a service in, a service and security union uh, in Chicago. Nice. Whatever got you into labor in the first place, there, Matt. Well, that's a that's a hell of a question. <laughs> I go for those. <laughs> there's so there's a, I think a lot of things that brought me into labor, but most importantly, uh, I grew up in a union family. So my ah. dad was a member of the transportation workers uh, union, Brotherhood of Railway Carmen. Uh, so he worked for Union Pacific Railroad uh, uh, for about 30 or 40 years. And so I just grew up with this sort of labor mentality and this uh, struggle between workers and their bosses. Um, so it's always seemed to be at the heart of what I believe that justice was about is how do we interact with the people who have the power over us and who has more power over us than our bosses. 
Well, that, that's great to hear. Uh, I actually, you know what? I don't think I've ever asked that question to you before, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Known you for a couple of years now. Never had this discussion. So uh, good, good to know. Good to know. We should uh, do more more interview style uh, conversations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the wave of the future. <laughs> we'll find out. Yes. Uh, so cool. Um, I, uh, that's that's good. Uh, are you actively involved outside of your union and any other activities in the wonderful city of Chicago? Chicago. <laughs> I mean, I feel like uh, Chicago right now is just like swirling with anti-Trump sentiment. <laughs> and so there's just constant opportunity for uh, joining up in demonstrations to protect immigrants, to uh, fight against the, the bans at the airport. To, mm-hmm. uh, so there's a lot of activism going on, so I'm, I'm pretty actively involved in... Uh, attending and uh supporting those those actions uh otherwise in my downtime <laughs> uh you know gardening brewing yeah. beer that nice. sort of thing <laughs> oh that's well, lovely uh i actually just got uh some uh artisan beer if you will from a, a comrade of mine down in mexico uh she had, she was actually here last year during uh, Libre Planet, which is the conference that the foundation's putting on next week. Yeah, uh, and she does uh, classes on uh, on making beer. And a friend of mine was down visiting and brought two bottle, bottles of beer back, and I just had it the other day. It's actually very good. Oh wow! Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, so uh, uh, I should try to get into that at some point. Um, I would give you uh, I can give you a picture. Maybe I can take a picture for everybody else, but uh, you can take a look at what i have here um oh wow yeah so it's a nice um, label too yeah yeah is a it's a little bit of an ipa uh i don't know how accurate this is but 7.6 alcohol apparently um mm. but uh yeah or pale ale americana <laughs> um, <laughs> cerveza artesanal <laughs> um and very cool yeah how'd you get that past border security I don't know how my friend came in, but I could just imagine she put it in her luggage and just got through. Um, this was before Travel Ban Two Point or Travel Boy Ban One Point I think, and before Travel Ban Two Point <laughs> which is where we're at now, right? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so, um, but that's cool. I'm glad to to see that you're making the beer and trying to get off the grid uh if you have to <laughs> and preparing for that at least uh, so why don't be ready yeah <laughs> uh so without getting going too deep into the the weeds here on our updates let's kind of jump into a labor section there's going to be a lot to talk about okay so uh what are we entering i think I think we're trying to see where we don't know exactly what Trump is going to do with the labor in the U.S. And this, uh, for our wonderful listeners, it's going to be a little bit more U.S. centric, but it's going to have a lot of international undertones to it because there's going to be a lot of need for that. Uh, and so, uh, what what do you think Trump is going to do, and what do you think we're going to be seeing within the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board? Well, <laughs> I w- I'd start off by saying I think that. Trump ran a campaign um, supported by uh, a lot of very poor workers uh, mm-hmm. who, who, you know, a lot of folks in the uh, 
in areas of this country that were devastated by globalization and uh, people who were in manufacturing jobs um, who lost those jobs and have never recovered. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of folks who work in coal mines who are ravaged by uh, disease uh, and who are who weren't getting the support they they needed from either the Democratic or the Republican Party, and uh -huh. so I think Trump came in with his populist message, and in stark contrast to Clinton's message, and a lot of you know. I don't want to downplay the effect that racism had on the mm -hmm. campaign, um, but there's a lot of uh, working people who supported this guy because they thought he was saying things that they wanted to hear. And I think that uh, my prediction is a lot of those folks are already being surprised by the devastating impact that his administration is having on their lives. Mm -hmm. and. The impact it's going to continue to have. Uh, so I think where where Trump's Trump stance on labor rights is abysmal. I mean, even <laughs> in his private career, he's got a number of uh, workers' organizations actively uh, suing him, both in uh, you know uh, civil court, uh, but also you know for wage theft or um, mm -hmm private contractors who he hasn't paid and uh, but also at, in the National Labor Relations Board uh, hotel workers unions are actively fighting him for recognition and uh, in in his businesses so yeah and he's fought tooth and nail against you know for this guy who says he's such a great uh, negotiator <laughs> um, the reality is he's afraid to bargain with his workers and um, and you know he's ready to throw in the towel and cut their jobs and save his ass in bankruptcy court, yeah, uh, where he can. And I think that's the attitude he's going to bring to the country. Like you don't, he's like the 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 classic caricature of the capitalist. You know, like this guy <laughs> is you kind of get a more cartoonish buffoon figure of what does a rich person look like and um i think things are gonna get a lot worse before they get better i don't know what he'll be able to do with the labor relations board or what sort of laws he'll be able to pass i think mm -hmm. organized labor at large is preparing for the worst um but what does that worst look like i mean i, th I think we're kind of thinking i mean i i, th I think for the longest time we've been de going down this neoliberal thing but it seems like we're getting yeah. to like Almost, I mean, neoliberal is is going to stay in effect, right, to a certain extent, uh, and by that meaning, like trying to continuously deregulate and trying to go back to an economy that was more similar to the the turn of the century um, in the U.S. at least, uh, and the nineteen like teens and twenties when uh, there was there was no law that protected workers. Um, yeah. And when they're trying to formulate unions and, and fighting for that was a much more uh, violent struggle, right? Uh, if we go, yeah, to absolutely. The, um, so, I guess the the is that. Do you think that's kind of where we're going? Do you do you think that that Trump may go down this path of trying to eliminate and make a national right to work instead of just a state by state um, elimination of it? Or 
Yeah, I uh, think this is the most obvious and regular attack against unions has been to go after the revenue stream. So go after uh, dues uh, payments, required dues payments in closed shops. Uh, uh-huh. So, I mean, the closed shop meaning everybody has to either join the union or um, contribute some percentage of the dues uh, as like uh, an exchange for bargaining. And so yeah. I think I think what what I think that is the most likely route of attack is to go after that on a national level to try to deal the final nail in the coffin of U.S. organized labor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, let's keep in mind, labor has been on the playing defense, I think, for a long time. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Post-Reagan, post uh, I think, organized labor has been scared and uh, ineffectual in a lot of regards, but yeah, has has been running running their organizations in such a way as to not fight for too much uh, because they were afraid of being killed and yeah. That's cost a lot of um, a lot of density in the as far as how what percentage of jobs are union, and yeah. so it's cost a lot of power to organize labor. Yeah. And now we're at this point where I think a lot of unions are saying, okay, like here's here's a president and a Congress that is hostile to workers, is hostile uh-huh. to unions, and this might be the moment that they tried to finally kill us off yeah, uh, once and for all. And I mean, I think that's a, a foolhardy short sighted uh, move on their part, because I don't think you can kill an idea. You can't kill a, uh, well, it, it, I think it's impossible in the dynamic of the conflict in inherent in the capitalist system to, to yeah. let that happen. I mean, like there's always going to be a conflict if there's always going to be a boss, there's always going to be a worker that the, whether we're organized is a whole nother question and killing off our ability to organize may be what they go after. But then, you know, it still creates the, I mean, the interesting thing, like I, I, I remember this when I was studying labor movement or labor studies at UMass was like when we were learning about the history of the national labor relations board, and the time period of what was going on at that point, like mm-hmm. the the communists, the anarchists, the socialists that were doing all this salting or organizing within shops that didn't have unions and really agitating and getting people excited about trying to take power. Uh, and the National Labor Relations Board, or ACT for that matter, uh, effectively disempowered them in one sense because it now meant that it was no longer a movement because it was now institutionalized and it was a matter of trying to garner peace. And so this this perspective of revolutionary of taking over mm-hmm. and breaking the capitalist system went out the door essentially because by 1948 the Taft-Hartley Act was passed and that 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 completely got rid of all the, the actual radicals that were in the labor unions with the exception of I think the United Electrical Workers it was the only one that I know that survived that didn't give in to the Taft-Hartley requirement of signing off that you were never a part of the Communist Party. Right. Uh, so, <coughs> but does, like, so I remember, like, thinking that, oh, God, what would life have been like without that NLRA? And yeah. I never thought that I'd actually see that in my, or potentially see that within my lifetime. It's scary, but at the same time, if that rebuilds the left, that's an interesting thing. Because the left Yeah, has, I think... The left has been... Sorry, dis- no, the, it's, you're, the, the left has been 
separated and split. And I, I'm seeing them coming together at least here in Boston and mm-hmm. like just never seeing this energy growing before in my lifetime. That, not that my lifetime is long, um, but, right. you know. Well, I, so I think that people in this country are seeing um, from a wide variety of perspectives on uh, that are left of center or even left of right, I guess, is that I think people feel like the Republic is facing an existential uh, moment and mm-hmm. they feel like... Um, you know this this form of um, representative democracy is at risk, and I think that labor is seeing that as well, and so that's garnering a lot of energy when people mm-hmm. feel like they're going to lose something that they've had, whether that something is, you know, whether or not that something is was perfect or mm-hmm. even uh, fully desirable. <laughs> it's. I think people are really coming to terms with we may be headed down a a path closer and closer towards tyranny and fascism and Mm -hmm. so you're seeing a lot i think you're seeing a lot of energy i'm seeing that a lot more in the marches in chicago people who haven't been involved in demonstrating before yeah you're seeing that at union meetings people are angry about uh this administration and what they're doing to not just to 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 our uh, brothers and sisters in the union but to uh, the just people around around this country and around this world I feel like this naked bigotry is uh, really really causing um, people to reevaluate what what what's what's the country that they want to see what's the union they want to see what's the world they want to see and um so i think it's it's creating a lot of energy and that's exciting mm-hmm. um whether it's too little too late is it remains to be seen i i'm optimistic that it's and 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 i think that we'll be able to create some changes i think things are going to get a little rough but i think we'll come out of this for the better and um, and I think this opposition is is a a very very needed wake up call um, for yeah. the left in general and for organized labor in particular. Um, but I think I think it's it it is scary. Uh, I think in a lot of regards because you know the the laws that were passed to ensure labor peace it was a you know it had goods and it had bads and. I think, you know, some of the negative stuff you pointed out, it has created the opportunity for business unionism. It's created the opportunity for uh, people to uh, just sort of treat treat the experiment of organized labor as just one for contract negotiations and not one for organizing militancy mm-hmm. amongst workers. Um, yeah. But the the downside <laughs> of that of of the way things were was workers were being assassinated by private detectives in the street, and like I think people dying is I think people I've met even today like when no one's had to put their lives in line I've met you know 
tons of workers who would have if they needed to yeah. um, to defend their coworkers, to defend their standard of living, to defend their families. And I think I don't want to get to a place where people have to make those sacrifices again. True. And I, I think what might be helpful, too, is, is to think about like the time period. And so if we're looking at back, back to the 19-teens, 1920s, when there's a very similar or where it seems like it might be a very similar path that we're going into, the the people that were getting assassinated, the people that were getting killed were mostly people that were of of the unskilled labor force because the skilled mm-hmm. labor force were actually well protected. Uh, and that was mostly represented by the AFL. Um before they before they were the AFL CIO, and the ones that were mostly getting killed were members of the IWW, the International Workers of the World, which was mm-hmm. that was its peak. I think was in the nineteen teens, uh, and the stuff that's really really relevant is you know as we see that Trump is trying to put together more money towards military, uh, that builds up the tenden- the tendency that we're that he's looking to go to war or he's looking to utilize that military in some form. And it builds up this nationalism. And we're seeing this under this right alt right bullshit um, of, you know, national economy and, and focusing it on this, this really heart of being American and what that means. And it, it starts building up this tendency of patriotism that, that is scary because the IWW were, lambasted for not for not taking a position on world war one they actually didn't yeah. say they were for it or against it they just didn't take a position and because they didn't take a position the afl the all the all the media went after them as saying that they are non-patriotic and whether that's true or not is a whole other discussion it's just that their inaction led them to being called out on shit that wasn't true uh and then so what happens if we do take action on that and so um, those are those are the concerning things where it actually splits labor, and we're seeing some of the hints of of labor being split in different forms, at least amongst the trades, because sure, the the trades benefit tremendously under Trump, um, and they've been talking uh, because apparently they want that wall to be union made, which I don't want it to be <laughs> union made, because <laughs> uh, you know there's going to be a tunnel that's going to go right underneath it, and that that is going to be a whole other bullshit like expenditure that we're going to go over it's really weird because it's it reminds me of like fdr of like that whole i think i said this before so if i'm repeating myself i apologize but uh that he said that he would pay pay a man to dig a ditch and pay another man to fill it um to put people to work and like this is a perverted way of doing the same thing um of but it's not a, it's yeah, not it's a government like the, institution it's the racist version of that <laughs> yeah it's the racist version of that and the informal economy part of it too because the 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 digging a tunnel underneath the the wall that'll happen in, inadvertently is going to be most likely going to be done by uh i would probably assume uh the the mafia of of the mafias of of latin america the cartels uh, otherwise yeah. owners cartels that are going to try to figure out other ways to get gain entry um whether but, that's human trafficking or not so yeah. um i mean i think it's important to to point out that the entire idea of the wall is not about defending borders or yeah. or uh creating a a safe country or even um or even stopping the flow of uh undocumented immigration it's because as we've seen, like immigration has been a net flatline for yeah. multiple years now. The 
this isn't this isn't an actual problem that's trying to be solved. It's much like Trump has done for what like at least the last ten years is an appeal to uh, racism, an appeal yep. to fear of the other. Yep. There's and so whether or not the wall gets built, it's 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 more of a a, a symbolic. Uh, like a wink to it's a I mean it's a dog whistle it's yeah. it's 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 to racists and to, I'm on your I'm on your side I know what the real problem is and it's people who aren't white yeah and so and that that's so not, I think that's not just a, a a U.S. thing I mean that's a global thing that's where Brexit sure. came in in UK that's where this hostile hostility towards a lot of even Angela Angela Merkel I'm like it's which is really bizarre that she's looking like a savior now despite her right-wing tendencies yeah. i'm like what the fuck happened what world did we just enter but anyway so i'm going on a tangent sure there. uh but no well, this, well, yeah go on I, go on i think that the absurdity of this clown in 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 the office of the president has made like otherwise uh, critical and radical people just sort of question like the ground we're standing on. Yeah. You know, for, for instance, and this, like, who do I, why should I give a shit whether or not Donald Trump shakes Angela Merkel's hand? <laughs> but like, it's just awkward and embarrassing yeah. to, to, you know, I, I think a lot about um, during the Olympics in Rio when um, Ryan Lochte, uh, our national treasure, uh, you know, s- started this lie about Brazilian citizens uh, robbing him, and yeah, and like I remember hearing, I was listening to Dave Zirin, a, who's a, an amazing sports reporter, but he was talking about this this incident and how the initial reaction from like poor working folks in Brazil was like embarrassment because yeah. they wanted they anger, deep anger at the Brazilian government at their situation in life, but deep pride in who they are as a people. And to have like this be the, the messages playing on the national, on the international stage of, oh, okay, we're, Oh, these Americans are getting robbed by, like, while they're here to compete in the Olympics. Like, that yep. was embarrassing. It turned out to be false, and yep. Ryan Lochte is the actual embarrassment. Um, yep. But, but at the end of the day, when I think about, like, I am deeply critical of the U.S. government. I'm deeply critical of the, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. But to, I'm fairly critical of Angela Merkel. But to yep. to see like somebody who's representing this country on an international stage to refuse to engage in a fucking handshake with another human being. Um, it's embarrassing and it makes us look inept and like, it's almost as if like the rest of the world can see like the horror that this country is. Yeah. And, and not see the things we want it to be. Yeah. Um, so, so I think it's, I don't know, that's like a small thing, but 
and I know it's not like really like rooted in the struggle and where where we need to be, but like those sorts of things really create a lot of uh, uh, like anger and fear. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. It's 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 just it's very very awkward. But kind of coming back a little bit to to a, a kind of a labor question, like so, mm-hmm. if if Trump through whatever methods he's going to pursue, which seems like he's very good at shooting himself in the foot, um, or at least a toe. Uh, yeah. And, and it, it's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's going to recoil to him, but the, the question that I have really is, all right, so if we go down this path, if we, if the trade unions decide that they're going to go with Trump because they seem to be happy about construction and we sure. can go into major d- discussions about what's happening in your city and my city with gentrification and the amount of the trades don't really give a shit because it's union-made buildings that are yeah. insanely expensive for anybody to live in. Uh, but uh, they're getting a huge payout out of this. Uh, and there's not much solidarity between them and and the working class, if you will, because I think they're actually way above the working class at this point to a certain extent on their financial incomes uh, and not really doing much to give back. Um, but th- if that... If we go down this path, or do you? I mean, do you think it's likely that the AFL CIO could split monks once again? I mean, you're not in there because you're in change to win, but um, <laughs> that didn't really win much. But, <laughs> um, but you know, do, like I guess, do you think that's that we're likely seeing a potential split, and or do we think the yeah. AFL will respond differently than they would in the 1920s or did in the 1920s, for that matter? Look, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what AFL-CIO leadership is planning on doing. I think that prior to Trump's election, we were seeing some signs of reunification, um, uh, change to win, becoming more uh, like working together with the AFL-CIO, um, but and the AFL-CIO trying to reach out into the extended labor universe to. Mm-hmm. Um, worker centers and like non-union uh, worker rights organizations. And so I'm hopeful that, that you'll see um, like a stronger united labor front in opposition to Trump. Mm-hmm. I am, but I do think like there's already been tensions brewing between the service industry workers and the trade unions, uh, the building trades just based on the building trades for instance, in Chicago, standing behind projects that like the people who would work in those buildings couldn't get a union agreement on, mm-hmm. and or building WalMarts, or um, where you know there's been retail workers trying to organize for decades, and so yeah. I think there's already some tension between workers there, and um, but then on top of that as the Black Lives Matter movement has been organizing more and more effectively over the last couple of years, you've seen some real deep cutting tension between progressive uh, workers and progressive unions Mm -hmm. and the allowance of police and law enforcement unions to be part of our labor federations. And so I think there's some tensions there and I think if those get pushed in the right direction, you could see another big split and um, I think uh, you'll we'll know more about that as we see how how the AFL-CIO and other like local organizations react to attacks on workers as they as they unroll. Yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, you've already seen some of the building trades go to the White House and praise the president, and I think that's uh, a huge a huge strategic mistake without getting something in return at least. Um, I think it's, it's a moral outrage as well, but it's not even good strategy. Uh, So I don't know what the point of, what the point of all of that is. I think, Mm -hmm. well, I mean, it remains to be seen. I think that let's see, let's see, let's see what the infrastructure package is. Let's see if we can actually defend um, the gains that workers have made, but you know, I think it's going to be a tax on workers, and we'll see how how unions uh, react to that. And there's probably going to be some unions who try to get get their cut and screw everyone else, and I think that's going to be at their own peril. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose that's true. Uh, we'll see how things progress. I think what'll be interesting to see is if if the National Labor Relations Act or if we somehow go to a national right-to-work country, uh, whether that would mean that the, the labor unions that are out there that are having a business union tendency become, you know, if they are challenged by their more militant arms or if they don't have any militant arms, whether more militant union actions happen. Uh, it seems like yeah. it's, there's a lot of potential for it given the amount of um, – at least strikes have been called. I mean, the the International Women's Day general strike was an interesting call. It's kind of amazing mm-hmm. that they actually called for that. Uh, and I, I was a little bit. I actually do want to step uh, mention this. Anybody who says that to go on strike is a privilege is a <laughs> fucking liar and does not know what the hell we're dealing with. <laughs> because to go on strike is not a fucking privilege uh, at all. And I was a bit pissed off that this undertone came about. That people were saying, "Oh no, only only white people can go on strike." No, right. <laughs> a general strike. If if you know anything, it it is a huge fucking sacrifice, no matter who is doing it. Um, but it is not a. It is never it has never come from a privileged position to go on strike. Uh, that is calling saying, "I do not want to receive my wages." This is putting my my rights ahead of my dollar of what I could receive. Mm-hmm to make sure that my rights are exercised. That doesn't mean that you get paid more. Strikes were not always about pay. Strikes were also about conditions. And if you if we want to go to Trump's like mine workers, the mine workers went on strikes not over pay, they went over conditions. Those were one of the mm-hmm. best strikes that ever happened in both US and global history uh, of what they were fighting for. Um, wages were always a secondary discussion. Uh, they were never the primary. And so like to call a general strike, it was a good attempt because I think that it's always good to see what happens when that happens, um, how people exercise that, whether they're, if they're not able to leave their job, then, you know, they were showing their support in other ways. There was a lot of red that I saw on that day, which was great. Sure. Uh, and so anyway, I, I just, I just want to touch on that because it really pissed me off. <laughs> so. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, uh, it's easy for a lot of people who've never been put in the position to have to choose whether or not they go on strike to, be critical of that choice and i think you know you'll see a lot of people who are scared of striking yeah talk about how well they can't strike because like that's the thing for privileged people to do and you know but i would i would just say uh, quickly to tag on to what you said that uh nobody's ever wanted wanted to go on strike they that's not something people like to do people want to avoid a strike 
They yeah. want to get what they can, but people are willing to flex their muscle and fight for what they believe in and make sacrifices to get to where uh, where they need to. And so, like, I agree that the strike uh, strike is certainly not a tool of the privileged. Yeah. If anything, it's, it is it is the a actual definition of of alternate facts. Those are actual alternate facts of what strikes are. Uh, that was presented yeah. and carried through very liberal media outlets, and that was very unfortunate to see that actually happening. Um, so, on, on that, I think uh, we covered a lot under this section. I think we should probably try to cut into some tech uh, real quick. Let's do it. Which for you is computers. We're in a new age of surveillance, and I hear that there's <laughs> maybe something in your in your room that's listening in on us. Um, <laughs> Uh, what what can you what can we say about what Amazon is doing to the the industry <laughs> with Alexa, <laughs> which is a very yeah, disturbing I thing. <laughs> I can't say her name too loud. She'll start uh, talking to me. Um, oh God, <laughs> that's just creepy. Well, I think you know <laughs> that means wait that, that that does mean literally it is listening right now. It's waiting to be heard, right? Yeah, it's always on. I mean, you can turn you can turn the microphone off. I suppose the it's always on, waiting to respond to if you said its name. Uh-huh. Um, then it will respond. Uh, the claim is, and I mean, how can you know without a fully open source uh, system? But the claim is that nothing is uploaded to Amazon servers until you say the wake word. Until you say the what word? Did you say the the machine's name? Really? So it's listening, but not transmitting. I mean, I suppose you could. I could run a packet sniff around and make sure it's not. Uh, I mean, it would be interesting to find that out. Sending anything out. Um, so that's a good experiment. I should do uh, at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is the new trend in the Internet of Things, uh, which is, I guess, always connected, everyday items uh, in your house that are. Uh, expanding convenience, but also have serious privacy implications as well. I think already the Echo has come up in a couple of law enforcement uh, investigations in this country where uh, uh, police have subpoenaed Amazon for records of like what's been recorded. Um, wow. I don't know. Uh, I haven't. Those cases haven't uh, made their way through yet, So as far as I've seen. So I don't know. Like whether or not that confirms what Amazon has said, and that it's only like the questions that you're asking are being transmitted, or if there's more going on. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's scary. I mean, that that's that's scary because that's real in comparison to the microwaves that turn into cameras, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, the Colbert on the Late Show has done a very good job of mocking that one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it's. It seems like we're we're entering a very odd. I mean, the thing is, I think there are people that are a little bit more aware of this, and I think the tech community is a little bit more aware of this. There, I think I had mentioned this before, also that there's a tech solidarity meeting that I'd gone to here in Boston when they were talking about the data that there's that many of these tech workers are sitting on and trying to figure out how they mm-hmm. can effectively get policy changes at the company so that that data is not sat on, um, at least in a form that could be easily identifying yeah. who who people are. But that's a hard Thanks. effort. The exact same conversation is happening in um, data open data meetups in Chicago. Actually, oh really? Uh, that I've been to. Yeah, we we haven't talked about this, so it's it's uh, it's curious that that's happening around the country. Yeah, there's uh, 
a lot of folks who work in data have been having these conversations about, especially in the private in in the private sector, people work for mm-hmm. um, uh, startups in Chicago are talking about like why are we gathering this data in the first place? We started gathering it because it was cheap, and we thought, you know, why not gather it? But now that now that we have all this, and we and especially living under um, a potential fascist uh, regime. Like, mm-hmm. Do we want to have these records in existence in the first place? Yeah. Um, and like, and I think a lot of folks have like started to think about like, okay, well, I trust myself, but should I trust somebody who comes later in ten years who I've never met? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's. I think we're entering a very scary moment. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna transition that to uh, me also participating in something that's scary too Um, (laughs) uh, which is that I have done the unbelievable thing of creating a Facebook account Um, but (laughs) mostly because I'm actually doing some of the stuff with Solidarity and a lot of the organizing is there and I have to be there but but I will say this though uh, having gone into some of the stuff and trying to figure out more secure ways which I'll share two links for add-ons for Firefox that you can use at Block uh, Facebook tracking when you're on other sites and also getting yeah. rid of Facebook ads um, that seem to be do- doing a decent job. But uh, the one thing I did find that I thought was it's hard to say that I thought it was actually good uh, was that you can set up Facebook to send you email notifications in encrypted format using a GPG key uh, which is good from a major security point which is that if anybody's able to break your password you'll get notified Um because of your other logins, you can set it up yeah. to be notified of the different logins that are on devices that you don't recognize. Uh, but in addition, if they try to change your password, they would only be getting an email encrypted form. And it automatically email you an encrypted form saying that your email address is trying to be changed. Is this true or not? And you'd say no and stop it. Uh, so there's actually good measures on that front. Though it's still Facebook, which is tracking a shitload of information, and that just creeps the fuck out of me. Like the 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 add on the add on that I have for Firefox that does like the tracking, it tells you how many different calls there have been on this page yeah. to Facebook, and it's just scary when you're on a page and it's like eleven calls. I'm like Jesus, I'm like uh-huh. what is it trying to get? I'm like I'm not enough of a data like data data file that wants to find out. I'm just glad that it's being blocked uh, and not tracked. So. Yeah. Uh, I'll have, I'll be sure to share some of that stuff in in the show notes so people who are exploring it um, will do that. On that note, I might actually create a group for cyber unions uh, just so we can get our Facebook friends to share their stuff too. Uh, but we'll probably be posting from Twitter or other social media sites first. Um, but yeah, <laughs> oh, the wonderful world of Facebook. It's been eleven years since I was on it. Oh. <laughs> uh, that I, I I don't know if there's any more tech stuff that you wanted to add, but I, I think that kind of covers most of the stuff that I had for the week or month or month and a half, almost two months now. Shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like in um, <laughs> with labor and technology, a, a lot of what's been crossing my path lately has been just in regards to that the surveillance uh, surveillance state and uh, and how are workers under attack in this in this regime? So I I haven't crossed a whole lot else. So I think that's 
that's the main thing, but I'll keep my eye out and I'll post it on the Facebook group. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's enough for the tech section. I think we can try to wrap this up. Help will come whenever it's needed. Cheer, my comrades, cheer. Uh, I do want to say, um, is just coming back to it, uh, if you've visited Zocos in the time you've listened to the show, uh, you may think it's not uh, open source, free and open source. It actually, uh, it's on GitHub right now in a private one just because the developers are trying to get some of the security keys out um, from from there before they publish it. Uh, and they actually have all intentions of putting it under uh, a free software license. Uh, so that will happen, uh, but right now it's a major beta development for themselves. Uh, and if you're interested in checking it out, you could probably email uh, myself. Uh, MV at cyberunions.org still works. Uh, and we'll uh, see where it goes from there. It seems like a very promising thing. We've been using it for this entire sh- show and have not had a connectivity problem like we did with Meet Jitsi before. Uh, so yeah. I'm, not, I'm curious to see what they're doing a little bit differently that's making this connection stronger. Uh, so it'll be cool to see this and see what can come of this. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that actually. Uh, and thank you, Matt, for, uh, sitting in. Um, I hope Walton's seat, uh, fit well. Uh, you don't have a good South African accent as he does, uh, and apparently not the good choice in whiskey, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) we'll, uh, we'll work on that. I didn't even put on, I didn't even put on my Chicago accent. Chicago. Yeah. You know, what's up with that? Come on now. (laughs) Uh, well, Um, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. No problem. Uh, and we will uh, get this up to you folks soon, and we'll try to get back to a monthly roll. It's just the last two months have been so much shit that it was too hard to even figure out what to talk about. Uh, I think uh, we'll uh, try to do this again a little bit more frequently. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.